Please turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. And it reads, Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks will find. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you, who if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Thank you. Good morning. I have a number of visitors with us this morning. You are honored guests. I love the fact that you are here this morning. I pray that this lesson is a blessing to you, whether you're a member or a visitor. It's always a blessing to be able to stand up here and to speak about God's Word. And this morning, I want to look at the concept of our prayers and our expectations. I've seen people struggle with their prayers. I've seen them wrangle with them in such a way that it manifests their lack of faith in God and to the extent that they seem to crumble, to fall away from Christ. We want to know what the Scriptures have to say about prayer. We want to have confidence when I turn to God and I pray that I know that He hears me and that what I'm asking is according to His will and that He will do it. I think this is a very revealing expectation right here. And I've heard this a number of times. A good God shall fulfill the request that I make of good things. I make good requests. I'm not asking God for selfish things. I'm asking him to heal my wife or to bless my son who's struggling or to be with my parents and the hardships they're under. I've prayed that way. And I remember in certain times and certain things that I prayed for and I said, God, I prayed to you over and over about this. Why aren't you doing anything? Why haven't I seen any change? God, I prayed to you and I've been tempted by this. And I pray that you help me come through it. Why am I still being tempted? Why do I not have strength right now? Maybe you can relate to that. There are probably some of us in here that say, well, I pray and I pray according to God's will. And I think about the examples in the Bible that I have of God, of Christ praying, and I look to them and I have all confidence in that. And we need your encouragement. A lot of us in here have struggled with this when it comes to our prayer life and our faith and our Creator. What would happen if you could remove and examine your own heart? And that's what I want to do this morning. When we look at the concept of prayer there's very few things that are very intimate and personal to us and very revealing about who we are spiritually and where we are and how we are growing and what we pray to our, our God and ask Him for. It shows a lot about us. So this is what we do in our own privacy, our own homes. This is those inner thoughts within us really tell us about our spiritual life. When I think about this, about our hearts, I read an article this week I don't know if you saw this article as well. I think it's been out for a little bit more than a week. But at Baylor, the Heart and Vascular Center there, the transplantees who have a new heart, have received a new heart, they will bring them in, and the heart that was once beating in their chest that they removed and they've now transplanted, that old heart, they bring them and allow them to see it. And I've seen the pictures of people holding their hearts that once beat in their own chest. And their physicians and their doctors asked them, I want you to examine it and look at it. Look at the fat, look at the damage, look at what has happened to your heart that's maybe been 
because of the way that you've been eating or living or what you've been smoking or drinking. And this morning when we go to the Scriptures, I, I couldn't help but thinking about that. That's what we want to do when we hear God's Word. And in times like this when we study is to examine our hearts and see what is happening there and how we might, we might change. Sometimes what happens to do with, the, with our prayers, our, our prayers can often be selfish. I might be going to the extra, other extreme here because sometimes we're praying. These are good things. They're not selfish things that I've been praying for. But James had to say this to the Christians in James chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. He says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Those are strong words. He says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. What are you praying for? I remember when I was seven years old, I prayed for some crazy things. Even growing up from my teenage years, things that now I'm like, why would I even pray for that? Worldly things that I would put in my own, my own uh, passions. One of those earliest prayers I remember, and I'm feeling very foolish about it, and I find a lot of humor in it now, as I remember playing coach pitch baseball, and one of my friends came to practice one day, and he said, I got a new BB gun. I'm like, you're seven years old. Why are you getting a BB gun? He said, it's fully automatic. I was like, and that don't even, doesn't even exist. And to me, in my absurdity, I thought, I'm going to pray for that. And I know that might sound strange, but you probably look at some time in your life when you prayed for something and thinking, how selfish, how foolish, how ridiculous to have this expectation of God. God is not a genie. He does not fulfill requests. But what do we expect of our Creator when we pray to Him? So we have James here putting it in perspective. What are you praying for? You want to just spend it on yourselves? God, give me more power. Give me more influence. Give me more education. Give me more money. Help me to be more prosperous for this reason or that. Why? Those expectations reveal a lot about us. Prayer demonstrates a lot of our expectations of God. It also demonstrates what we expect of other Christians, of other churches, of elders, and of ministers. Because oftentimes when you have the person who says, I've been praying to God for these good things and he hasn't given it to me, and I feel disappointed because I've prayed. I've been praying for people to be healed, for those who have been struggling, for people in my life that I care about. And I wonder what is happening there. Those same will be disappointed as well with the church. Why doesn't the church do this? Why do the leaders do this? Why does the minister do that? Why does God not answer the prayers as I want him to do? I think as we mature as Christians, we find this out. We find out that God's going to bless us. He's going to give what is best for us. And it's going to be according to His will. Now, on the other side of that, some people will ask a lot of other questions about that. They have this reaction uh, to prayer. So how do people react with disappointment in unanswered prayers? And notice I put it in quotations, unanswered prayers. This, this reaction there of of disappointment. How do people do that? Well, they come here making certain expectations of God. They come thinking that this is going to fix all my problems. Now, when I pray to God to relieve me of alcoholism or to addiction to drugs and pornography, to the temptations that I face, to the desire to make money and to not balance my time right where I'm focused more on, on greed and possessions rather than on my family, the perspectives and the thinking is not right, and it's not according to God's will. Many do not understand God's responses to prayers because they do not understand a fallen world. God's put us in a world 
where a lot of people today think, well, if I pray to God, he should remove all my problems and every kind of evil that I face. In fact, people start thinking, there shouldn't be any evil in this world. If God is a good God, why didn't he just eliminate it? And what they don't understand, again, as men, we've sinned, and that causes the state of this fallen world. But why did God even allow that? Why did he allow sin and evil in the world in the first place? And as Christians, we need to have a firm confidence in knowing that God tells us this. Evil in this world is not here by a little bit, and this is to the extent that God can completely destroy it. And he will conquer it. God allows evil and for people to sin and make their own choices because even then, when someone sins against us, it brings out a greater good when I have to have patience with them, when I have to be merciful and loving, when I actually have enemies that I have to love. It, it, it allows greater character within me. In fact, Romans chapter 5 teaches that. Another thing they miss is that we just can't have free will unless we, we have that ability to choose between right and wrong. So we need to have an understanding about this fallen world. And then some will say, what the Bible says this, it says, Seek and you will find. Ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door will be open to you. That's what Christ says. And he's, he's talking about prayer. What am I doing wrong? What am I missing? So we ask these questions. Will followers of Christ receive whatever they ask in prayer? And the commentators that I've read and other thoughts, and I think are very insightful, is it depends on what you mean by whatever. When Jesus said whatever, he didn't mean that when you pray for something evil or contrary to God's will, of course, that you'd be able to get that. And of course, then a follower of Christ would say, well, I want the best thing, but you may not know what that is. Jesus said this to his disciples in Mark eleven twenty two to 25. He says, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Do you believe that? And we see Christ saying that to his disciples here, but he also has said very something similar to that Sermon on the Mount, to that great crowd that was there. Ask and you shall receive. So whatever needs to be qualified, doesn't it? Whatever is according to God's will. And this is where we learn from Christ. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. First, listen to what John says right here. He says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We ask according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. I want to ask God for something. I don't know fully what he's going to do or how he's going to bless me through it. I might be expecting that he's going to give everything just the way that I want it to be given. But then there's a problem on me and on myself and my perspective. There's a lack of faith there. Why ask God when everything is according to his will? And I often hear some individuals say this. Why even ask God? Everything's according to his will, and he's going to do his will, and he already knows everything. He, needs, he knows everything that I need. Why even pray in the first place? And I would encourage every Christian in here that when we pray to God, we're saying, God, I want you to be in charge. I trust in you. I invite you into my life, and I want you there with this problem and what I'm struggling with and what I'm facing. And most of the time, our perspective is often what? Selfish. God, I want you to fulfill it just as I had intended you for to, to do it if I have to be praying in the first place. Here it is. I need to 
request these things. I need God in my life to answer, to bless me, to rely on him, to say, God, I need you, whatever your will may be. And we see that in Christ. 1 John 3, 21 to 22, he says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God that whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. It does matter that we are obeying God and that we are keeping the scriptures, that we're not living in sin. We can now not have confidence that our prayers will be answered if we are living in sin and willfully sinning. But I think this is the conviction we need to have are the words of Christ. There's nothing else on this slide right here but what Christ said. Listen to what he said. And he said, Abba, Father, and here's Christ in the garden. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. In the shadow of his own cross, Christ has removed this cup from me. Yet not what I will, what you will. Yet not what I will, but what you will. That's got to be our conviction, our faith. God, I want what you will. I'm going to face temptations. God, make me stronger. God, I'm going to struggle with sickness. People in my family are going to pass away. But God, your will be done. I lean on you and I look to you. My faith is in you. Again, prayer is a request for God to, do, to act in our lives, that we want that from him. We want his will to be done. We need to be reminded that we need to live a right life. We need to be devout, seeking God for him to hear us and to obey our prayers. And Acts chapter 10, you have Cornelius, and Cornelius says he is a devout man, and he goes to God, and he he's prays to God, he gives alms, and an angel, a messenger, comes to Cornelius and says, God has heard your prayers. But Cornelius is not saved yet. It's in this process that Peter comes to him and preaches the gospel so that he is saved. Because he is devout and because he is seeking God, God heard his prayers. I believe the same is true today. God will hear us when we seek him, when we pursue him. Here's our passage, our reading for this morning that David read for us. This is a part of it. Matthew 7, 9 through 11. And Jesus says, And of which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? And if you then are evil, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Trust in God. Trust that he's going to give you better gifts than what you're even asking for. Here's the expectations. Here's what it comes down to this morning. Our expectations of prayer. The Christians receive everything according to God's will. But yet we still must ask him to act and to do that. Secondly, that God gives wisdom and he gives peace. And James says, if you ask of wisdom, God will give it to you as long as you don't doubt and you believe it. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says that when we pray to God and we let our requests be named and known to him and we do it with thanksgiving for what he's already given us, it says the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts. Do you believe that? Most of us would say, yes, I believe it. I know it to be true. I know this is true. I ask God for wisdom and he gives it to me, not using the way that I expect. I ask God for peace and he gives it to me and I let my request be known to him and I have faith and confidence in him. Yes, and I know when the scriptures tell me that I must seek him to be holy and live a sanctified life, that he will bless me to do that. Romans 6 and verse 22. You believe it. You see, prayer demonstrates our heart. It demonstrates our faith. And everything we've been looking at this morning shows us who we are and our trust in God. And this is the bottom line. God works all things for good for those who love him. 
God, I want your will. Your will be done, not mine. And then ultimately this, I find this scripture very beautiful. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. God does more than we can ask or think. Paul says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The truth is, as Christians, when I pray to God, the glory is to him. I seek him and I go to him and I realize that when I ask him, he's able to do more. And I trust in that. Christians, this morning, we need to resolve to pray according to God's will and not to simply fulfill our own expectations. This is my heartfelt plea and why I'm preaching this lesson this morning. Please don't, please don't fall away. Please don't start turning your back on the church and studying your Bible and relying on God because you say, well, all this evil in the world and he's not hearing my prayers. Stay in the church. Listen to God's word. Grow in your faith. That's my plea this morning. I've, I've seen too many of my own brethren say, well, God didn't answer my prayers and I couldn't do it anymore. God will bring about every blessing and work all things for good for those who love him. Love him. Be committed to him. God heard Cornelius' prayer, but he's not saved yet. If Peter is able to come in and preach to Cornelius and to his household and the crowd that had gathered there, and he preaches to them about Jesus Christ and what he did and how he died and how he was buried and how he rose from the dead, how Christ gave commands for them to fulfill the great commission to take the gospel to all the world, to be witnesses of the truth. And Peter concludes this sermon by saying this. He says, and we proclaim this as witnesses that the forgiveness of sins is in Jesus' name. And this is what happened. Here's the result of praying for God and doing right and turning to Him and relying on Him that Cornelius and his family were in the right state of mind, the right faith and commitment to God, that that group of people were baptized. Peter says this, seeing that they had received the Holy Spirit. He says, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain for some days. Baptism in Jesus' name, Peter just preached. That's where the forgiveness of sins is. This morning, you're seeking God, and you believe in him, and you confess that Jesus is Lord and that he rose from the dead, and you could become a Christian. You could be baptized with Christ, rise up into newness of life, and have a hope of eternal life in the resurrection on the final day to rise like Christ. This morning, if you want to become a Christian, you can do that, hearing, believing, confessing your faith. You can repent of your sins and be baptized. This morning, if you're struggling with your prayer life, look at your brothers and sisters around you. Talk to someone. You can come forward now and we'll pray with you. Whatever your needs may be, we encourage you to come right now while we stand and while we sing. Please come.